Chapter Three of A Slave Is a Slave by H. Beam Piper. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three. Shadrach's face turned pink. The pink darkened to red. He used a word. It was a completely unprintable word. So, except for a few scattered pronouns, conjunctions, and prepositions, were the next fifty words he used. The herald stiffened. The two delegates behind him were aghast. The subordinate burden-bearers in the rear began looking around apprehensively. "'I,' Shatrak finally managed, "'am an officer of His Imperial Majesty's Space Navy. I am in command of this battle-line unit. I am not,' he reverted briefly to an obscenity, "'a slave.' "'You mean you are a Lord Master, too?' That seemed to horrify the herald even more than the things Shatrak had been calling him. "'Forgive me, Lord Master. I did not think—' "'That's right. You didn't,' Shatrak agreed. "'And don't call me Lord Master again, or I'll—' "'Just a moment, Commodore.' He waved the herald aside and addressed the two in white gowns, shifting to Lingua Terra. "'This is a ship of the Galactic Empire,' he told him. In the Empire there are no slaves. Can you understand that?" Evidently not. The huge one, Kregor Schmid, turned to the skull-faced Tichal Hoshet, saying, "'Then they must all be Lord's Master.' He saw the objection to that at once. "'But how can one be a Lord Master if there are no slaves?' The horror was not all on the visitor's side of the desk, either. Obray of Erskel was staring at the delegation and saying, "'Slaves!' under his breath. Obray of Erskel had never in his not-too-long life seen a slave before. "'They can't be,' Tichal Hoshet replied. "'A Lord Master is one who owns slaves.' He gave that a moment's consideration. "'But if they aren't Lord's Master, they must be slaves, and—' "'No, that wouldn't do either.' But a slave is one who belongs to a Lord Master. Rule of the Excluded Third. Evidently, pre-atomic formal logic had crept back to Aditya. Chimid, looking around, saw the ranks of spacemen on either side, now at parade rest. But aren't they slaves? he asked. They are spacemen of the Imperial Navy, Shatrak roared. Call one a slave to his face, and you'll get a rifle butt in yours, and I shan't lift a finger to stop it. He glared at Chimid and Hoshet. Who had the infernal impudence to send slaves to deal with the Empire? He needs to be taught a lesson. Why, I was sent by the Lord Master Olvir Nicolon, and— Tachal! Chimid hissed at him. We cannot speak to Lord's Master. We must speak to their chief slaves. But they have no slaves, Hoshead objected. Didn't you hear the—the uh, one with the small beard say so? But that's ridiculous, Kregor. Who does the work? And who tells them what to do? Who told these people to come here? Our Emperor sent us. That is his picture behind me. But we are not his slaves. He is merely the chief man among us. Do your masters not have one among them who is chief? That's right, Chimid said to Hoshet. In the convocation, your Lord Master is chief, and in the mastership, my Lord Master, Rovar Javasan, is chief. But they don't tell the other Lord's Master what to do. In convocation, the other Lord's Master tell them— 
That's what I meant about an oligarchy, he whispered in Imperial to Erskyll. Suppose we tell Ravney to herd these Lords Masters onto a couple of landing craft and bring them up here, Shadrach suggested. He made the suggestion in Lingua Terra Basic and loudly. I think we can manage without that, he raised his voice, speaking in Lingua Terra Basic. It does not matter whether these slaves talk to us or not. This planet is now under the rule of His Imperial Majesty, Roderick III. If this mastership wants to govern the planet under the new emperor, they may do so. If not, we will make an end of them and set up another government here." He paused. Chimid and Hoshet were looking at one another in shocked incredulity. "'Tachal, they mean it,' Chimid said. "'They can do it, too.' "'We have nothing more to say to you slaves,' he continued. "'Hereafter we will speak directly to the Lord's Master.' But the Lord's masters never do business directly, Hosset said. It is unmasterly. Such discussions are between chief slaves. This thing they call the convocation, Shadrach mentioned. I wonder if the members have the business done entirely through their slaves. Oh, no! That shocked Chimid into direct address. No slave is allowed in the convocation chamber. He wondered how they kept the place swept out. Robots, no doubt. Or else what happened when the masters weren't there didn't count. Very well. Your people have recorders, are they on? Hoshet asked Chimid. Chimid asked the herald, who asked one of the menials in the rear, who asked somebody else. The reply came back through the same channels. They were. Very well. At this time tomorrow we will speak to the convocation of Lord's Master. Commodore Shetrak, see to it that Colonel Ravney has them in the convocation chamber, and that preparations in the room are made, so that we may address them in the dignity befitting representatives of His Imperial Majesty." He turned to the Adityan slaves. "'That is all. You have permission to go.' They watched the delegation back out, with the honor guard following. When the doors had closed behind them, Shetrak ran his hand over his bald head and laughed. Shaved heads, every one of them. That's probably why they thought I was your slave. Bet those gorgets are servile badges, too. He touched the night star of the Order of the Empire at his throat. Probably thought that was what this was. We would have to draw something like this. They simply can't imagine anybody not being either a slave or a slave-owner, Erskyll was saying. That must mean that there is no free non-slave-holding class at all. Universal slavery. Well, we'll have to do something about that. Proclaim total emancipation immediately. Oh, no, we can't do anything like that. The Constitution won't permit us to. Section 2, Article 1. Every empire planet shall be self-governed as to its own affairs, in the manner of its own choice, and without interference. But slavery, Section 2, Article 6, Erskill objected. There shall be no chattel slavery or serfdom anywhere in the empire. No sapient being of any race whatsoever shall be the property of any being but himself. That's correct, he agreed. If this mastership intends to remain the planetary government under the empire, they will be obliged to abolish slavery. But they will have to do it by their own act. We cannot do it for them. You know what I do, Prince Trevanion, Shetrak said. I just heave this mastership thing out, 
and set up a nice, tight military dictatorship. We have the planet under martial rule now. Let's just keep it that way for about five years, till we can train a new government." That suggestion seemed to pain Count Erskyll almost as much as the existing situation. They dined late, in Commodore Shatrak's private dining-room. Beside Shatrak, Erskyll and himself, there were Lons Degbrin and Count Erskyll's charge d'affaires, Charles Ernaday, and Patrick Morville, and Pierre Ravney, and the naval intelligence officer, Commander Audrey Duvrin. Ordinarily he deplored serious discussion at meals, but under the circumstances it was unavoidable. Nobody could think or talk of anything else. The discussion which he had hoped would follow the meal began before the soup-course. We have a total population of about twenty million, Lons Degbrin reported, a trifle over ten thousand masters, all ages and both sexes. The remainder are all slaves. I find that incredible, Erskyll declared promptly. Twenty million people, held in slavery by ten thousand. Why do they stand for it? Why don't they rebel? Well, I can think of three good reasons, Duvrin said. Three square meals a day. And no responsibilities, no need to make decisions, Degbrin added. They've been slaves for seven and a half centuries. They don't even know the meaning of freedom, and it would frighten them if they did. Chain of command, Shatrak said. When that seemed not to convey any meaning to Erskyll, he elaborated, We have a lot of dirty-necked working slaves. Over every dozen of them is an overseer with a big whip and a stun-gun. Over every couple of overseers there is a guard with a submachine-gun. Over them is a supervisor who doesn't need a gun because he can grab a handphone and call for troops. Over the supervisors there are higher supervisors. Everybody has it just enough better than the level below him that he's afraid of losing his job and being busted back to field hand. That's it exactly, Commodore, Degbrin said. The whole society is a slave hierarchy. Everybody curries favor with the echelon above and keeps his eye on the echelon below to make sure he isn't being undercut. We have something not too unlike that ourselves. Any organizational society is, in some ways, like a slave society, and everything is determined by established routine. The whole thing has simply been running on momentum for at least five centuries, and if we hadn't come smashing in with the situation none of the routines covered, it would have kept on running for another five, till everything wore out and stopped. I heard about those missile stations, by the way. They're typical of everything here. That's another thing, Erskyll interrupted. These Lords Master are the descendants of the old Space Vikings, and the slaves of the original inhabitants. The Space Vikings were a technologically advanced people. They had all the old Terran Federation science and technology, and a lot they developed for themselves on the Sword Worlds. Well, they still had a lot of it on the Sword Worlds two centuries ago when we took them over. But technology always drives out slavery. That's a fundamental law of socio-economics. Slavery is economically unsound. It cannot compete with power industry, let alone cybernetics and robotics. He was tempted to remind young Aubrey of Erskyll that there were no such things as fundamental laws of socio-economics, merely usually reliable, generalized statements 
of what can more or less be depended upon to happen under most circumstances. He resisted the temptation. Count Erskyll had had enough shocks today without adding to them by gratuitous blasphemy. In this case, Obrey, it worked in reverse. The space Vikings enslaved the Adityans to hold them in subjugation. That was a politico-military necessity. Then, being committed to slavery, with a slave population who had to be made to earn their keep, they found cybernetics and robotics economically unsound. And almost at once they began appointing slave overseers, and the technicians would begin training slave assistants. Then there would be slave supervisors to direct the overseers, slave administrators to direct them, slave secretaries and bookkeepers, slave technicians and engineers. How about the professions, Lons? All slave. Slave physicians, teachers, everything like that. All the masters are taught by slaves. The slaves are educated by apprenticeship. The courts are in the hands of slaves. Cases are heard by the chief slaves of judges, who don't even know where their own courtrooms are. Every master has a team of slave lawyers. Most of the lawsuits are estate inheritance cases. Some of them have been in litigation for generations. "'What do the Lord's master do?' Shatrak asked. "'Masterly things,' Degbrin replied. "'I was only down there since noon, but from what I could find out, that consists of feasting, making love to each other's wives, being entertained by slave performers, and feuding for social precedence like wealthy old ladies on Odin. You got this from the slaves? How did you get them to talk, Lons? End of chapter 3